You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today we're going to talk about cold water. Not about whether you should drink cold water, but actually what happens when you swim in cold water? What happens when you soak yourself in cold water? And of course, our friend Wim Hof has been on the show. He's graced the stage of my biohacking conference, and um, he's always fun to hang out with. So he's made some waves in the the scientific community, but still it's kind of fringy, but I think it's changing now. And I think it's, it's appropriate to give Wim some credit for saying, here's my lipopolysaccharide levels. And, you know, I can withstand things other people can't it's the cold water, but now there's uh, a lot more science coming out on that. So I found a guest for you uh, who knows uh, exactly what's going on uh, with some medical knowledge. And what you're going to learn in the episode is how you can use cold water on things like depression, anxiety, PTSD, arthritis, migraines, and how to have your own cold water practice. And that can even cause stem cells to work better, better immunity. And I'm also going to have a little bit of skepticism, and I'm going to display strategic laziness by saying, seriously, I don't want to do that. So just wait till I troll our guest today. And speaking of our guest today, um, he's from Brighton in the UK. I'm not sure exactly how to say that with the right Brighton accent, but he's going to teach us. Um, that's basically in England where they look out at France and um, make rude gestures, um, depending on what decade you're in. Uh, he's an MD and a PhD, and he works half-time in Norway. And normally he's about keeping people warm uh, because, well, he's a doctor, but now he's making him cold, but not in that way I just implied. So he has a, a team at the Extreme Environments Lab at the UK's Portsmouth University, and they're doing clinical studies of sea swimming on depression and anxiety. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show. Not to mention his new book, Chill, The Cold Water Swim Cure, A Transformative Guide to Renew Your Body and Mind. Mark, welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad you had me on. Now, it's kind of amazing. You're in Norway, and we're just you know, having this casual video chat. Uh, it would have been pretty difficult for me to fly to Norway or for you to fly to me here in the the dark, gray, northern parts of Canada. So um, just technically, I'm feeling pretty grateful that we could just have this, this chill conversation. See what I did there? Now, you're a medical doctor. And suddenly you're getting into cold water swimming. Um, I'm, I've always thought it was kind of nuts. Uh, I remember when I was getting my MBA, um, a group of friends would wake up in the middle of the night, something like six in the morning or something, and they would go for a cold water swim in San Francisco Bay. And I always thought they were nuts. I never joined them. Um, just because it was just, it was too early and plus it was cold, but they swore that it was completely changing them, but it was always this hardcore, like hardcore, almost like masochistic, like watch what I can do uh, kind of group. Are you one of those guys? You're like the, the, you know, I'm going to see if I can endure, I'm going to struggle and suffer. And was this your vibe when you started getting into this or was it something else? Joe, uh, it's completely the opposite. I was okay. like you, you know, there right. was, so yeah, I've always been a pool swimmer. Yeah. That's, that's my exercise. That's how I get my training. How I keep fit is in the pool. And then one summer, uh, you know, nearly 20 years ago now, 
I was complaining to an old friend of mine. I said, look, the, uh, the pool's shut for a couple of weeks in the, in the, you know, in the middle of summer. It's just pool shut, no training. You know, it's a bit boring, isn't it? He said, go and join the sea swimmers. I said, I didn't even realise the club had a group of sea swimmers. So I said, well, well when, do they, uh, when do they swim? They said, seven o'clock in the morning. Well, when? I said, oh, yeah. No, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was just as shocked as everyone else. And, but, you know, the pool was shut. I wanted my swim. I needed my, uh, my exercise. So I went down and swam around the pier the next day. And as I was walking back up the beach, you know, it's, it's about, uh, about a mile, probably not even that. You know, so I was walking up the beach and, and, it, and this is the middle of summer. So it's 20 degrees centigrade. What's that? 68 Fahrenheit, something like that. Walking up the beach and thinking, this, this feels really good. You know, I just wasn't expecting that. I was just expecting to have a swim. And, you know, those two weeks, which was the initial plan, has turned into, as I say, nearly 20 years of doing it myself. But when I go into the water and it's really cold, I'm still... Yeah, you know, I'm not hard about it at all. Yeah, you know, and and this is something I'm really keen to get across about it is is not about being hard. Be the dipper. Don't do the thing. I mean, Wim Hof. I mean, yeah, he's incredible, isn't he? Uh, but he is. I mean, he's an amazing physiological. He, yeah. He's batshit crazy, and I, I've told him <laughs> that to his face. He, he, he's a friend. Like I love the guy, but like yeah. he, he does stuff because he can, right? And and he has this energetic perspective on on cold and how it's his teacher and breath, and, I, and so he's just not like most people, right? And and that's okay. And what I'm trying to figure out is is cold water swimming always going to be this unusual group of people who are either really sick or just really like I'm going to charge forth or is this something you know my mom would be doing well that's uh, that's really interesting I think 20 years ago when I started doing it that's that's what it was but certainly in the UK and actually to a to an extent in Norway over the last five ten years it's changed and now it is more and more people and particularly over the pandemic when other forms of exercise were closed. The one thing, certainly if you lived near cold water, the one thing you could do was get into get into the cold water and get a get a swim, get a dip. And people tried it. They came out and they felt good, and they've kept doing it. Uh, I, I'm seeing it catch on as well, but it's endorphins, right? I mean, you you get in the cold water, you get a bunch of uh, when you come out, especially you have this huge endorphin rush. And of course, if you're anxious and depressed, or even dealing with PTSD, a big wave of endorphins helps enormously. So is there something going on besides, you know, getting a hit? And couldn't I just take a cold shower and be done with it? Uh, Yes, and no. So first of all, it's not just endorphins. And I think okay. that's, that's quite important. Yeah, yes. I know it's not. <laughs> the, the endorphins get in, but it's the, the main yeah, driver of that feeling is your noradrenaline and your adrenaline. And that, uh, yeah, that really kicks in. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what you get from cocaine. That is what you get from cocaine. You know, it, it causes release of these things. But when you do it, you put your body in the water, your body's releasing it naturally. It's got its natural ways of controlling it. And so it's, it doesn't have the negative effects, I suppose. I did a TV program with a, with a doctor 
called The Doctor Who Gave Up Drugs, Chris Van Tulliken. And yeah, this was where we basically started out on our way of saying, well, actually, this really does work for, for depression and anxiety. But that's, that's another story. But anyway, the first time he went in, he, afterwards he came out and he said to me, God, if this was a drug, they'd make it illegal. But the but what you say about the shower, yes, you can get it from the shower. However, it's not as effective. The thing is, to get the effect or the, the – so getting into cold water is a stress. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the, – the, the benefits are you, you feel good because you get uh, these this release of all these chemicals. But you also uh, adapt to cold water. But getting into cold water, there are two factors which determine the amount or the, the extent of this stress – and the first is how cold the water is. And the second is how quickly you get cold. And so if the water, the water coming out of the shower is probably uh, 58, 70 degrees, maybe something like that, uh, 68, 70 degrees. And that's not as cold as most cold water that you like to swim in, certainly in Canada, certainly in the UK. So, so you get your maximum physiological effect, or no, you get maximum vasoconstriction. I mean, that's one of the main things. So all your blood vessels to your skin shut down. That's one of the ways you react to the cold. And with cold water, you react, you get that at 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's not that cold. I mean, you get more of an effect lower down, but you're, you're getting a significant physiological effect at 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So most places can deliver that but it's not going to be as effective as getting into something colder. And yeah, of course, if you have a shower, you're not hit all at once. You get, you just, yeah, it's not as if you're totally immersed. You're just getting splashes, as it were. So how much better is swimming in cold water outdoors for you versus either a really cold shower or just standing in really cold air for three minutes? Well, the cryo chamber probably works quite well, but that has to be a lot, lot colder because air doesn't contain oh, yeah. air. Air has such a low, what we call thermal heat capacity. And, okay. and you know, so that has an effect. And, you know, yeah, if you've got a cryo chamber, I think you probably get the same effect in terms of the cold. The With okay. a shower, you can get an effect. You know, there was one study which showed that people who took cold showers as opposed to those who didn't, spent less days sick off work. Yeah. So you do get an effect. You get an effect if you wear a wetsuit when you go into the cold water. But for me, the cold water isn't just about the cold water. I mean, that has a massive effect and that's a really important part of it. But it's it's the whole the whole package you get. You know, the, most people, I mean, I always recommend you swim with someone else. And a lot of people I know swim in groups, including myself. You have a laugh. So you're being in groups, you're reducing social isolation. We know that's a really important factor. Uh, co- community in- and connection to others uh, is a massive reason to do it. If, you know, you have an organized event, but that's going to be once a week usually, or are you at a place where you do it every morning? Uh, well, yes, <laughs> in Brighton, they, they do do it every morning. There are a lot of people who do it every morning. And wow. but saying that, I think the frequency of which you at which you do it probably once a week is enough to really yeah reap the majority of the benefit. You get a bit of a boost if you do it every day, but if you're doing it once a week, you're probably yeah getting getting as much as you yeah really need. The studies that I've I've found um, 
showed that in mice, that after three days of cold exposure, there was a shift in the fatty acid composition of cardiolipin inside the mitochondrial membrane. Uh, and it's funny because when people start doing cold showers, which is worth doing before you do your first you know, cold outdoor swim, at least I think, um, the first day, no one can do a minute of cold shower if they hit them right in the face because like, you get a headache from it. But the second day, you, you might go 10 seconds, 20 seconds the first day, second day, 40 seconds, third day, a minute, and you're still swearing the whole time and you hate your life. And then the fourth day when you finish, you're like, that wasn't so bad. I am actually relaxed. I feel great. And that three-day period matched what I'm guessing is just all mammalian mitochondrial behavior um, where suddenly your cells shifted to be able to make more heat more quickly. Yeah, there are two ways looking at this. Yeah, there were two approaches to beginning to research cold water as a therapy. And I could have taken the, the route where you look at these, these really interesting and important things like cardiolipins and you say, well, that's how it has an effect. Maybe that's it. Yeah, we could do it through this and that's three minutes. And, you know, or you can take it from the other end and say, look, I suspect this works. You know, I feel good. I'm not depressed. And we know it reduces inflammation and the, and we know inflammation is associated with depression. So let's see if it works. And then as time goes on, we can start really digging down into these yeah, fascinating aspects of how it works. I think I got the idea for this you know, eight, 10 years ago now. And you know, the problem has been getting funding for it because it's exactly what you say. It's not a randomized controlled trial. There's no drug company out there going to make millions from it. People, you know, the UK, certainly the funding bodies there, you know, the government, they want to encourage you to work with industry. They have no real interest in finding something that's pretty much free, you know, as long as you've got access. I think maybe it's easier to get access in the UK where we're surrounded by water. But, uh, you know, and, and that's been a big problem, actually. But, yes, it's biohacking. It's uh, it's stress response well, hacking. It, that's what I'm doing. What, it, what you're doing is you're saying, well, it's probably not going to hurt you. Uh, and so let's see if it works. And if it does, you got the results you wanted and we can dive deeper into mechanisms later if we want to, if not, we can just do what works as long as we're not seeing evidence of harm. And like, that's kind of how a lot of sick people get well. Um, when you get this vasoconstriction in the skin, whether it's a cold shower or a cold water swim, probably more in a cold water swim because of water pressure on you, um, it's going to put way more blood into the brain, right? Well, I suppose the one part of it is the brain is pretty well perfused all the time anyway. But I do think, you know, I think, again, you know, I'm coming back to my uh, my biohacking rather than my scientific hat. Uh, you know, my PhD, that's that's on uh, on stopping people getting cold, as you say. And that was all, all, all proper studies, as it were. But right. here I'm I'm straying into the, the, the biohacking, as you're saying. And, and I mean, I don't know what goes on in the brain. I mean, for me, the best... You know, there is, you know, I can I can talk about you know the cortisol, the serotonin, the dopamine, the noradrenaline, and so on. But for me, the best again, going back to the what happens, what do you feel, what do you experience? The best description comes from uh, Jill Bolt Taylor. Have you come across her? Oh, absolutely, yeah, so, she's been on the show. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so you know her experience of having a stroke, knowing she's having a stroke and not caring about it because that was the left side of her brain. 
you know, the, all that stuff, which is fear, which is time, which is the future, which is all that kind of stuff. That was just bounced out. And she just came totally into her body and she was at one with nature and full of empathy and things like that. Yes. This is the feeling I get. You know, I've, uh, here in Norway, I have a 10 mile cycle to work. 500 meters before I get to work, there's a lake. I get there, my head's all, all sort of going round and round. I've got all that chatter going on. Uh, you know, I'm hot, I'm sweaty. Get into the water. When I come out, you know, I'm. I'm a different person. It's like, oh, isn't isn't the world amazing? Isn't this just a great place? Oh, don't I, I feel so good. I feel so calm. And it, her description, obviously on a completely different level to mine, but it really reflects my experience. And here we're talking experience rather than details of circulation and oxygen and whatever. And right. I don't know whether it's because it's taking your concentration away from your brain, you know, away from your mind and into your body. I mean, I think that's, that's really something. That's how it feels. Why is sticking your face in cold water so much worse than even sticking your balls in cold water? Well, there, I think there are a couple of things about putting your face in which are worth, worth bringing out here. The first mm -hmm. is your face has so many nerve endings in it. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to a hundred days at neurohacker.com slash Dave 15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave 15 Qualia NAD plus. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Why is sticking your face in cold water so much worse than even sticking your balls in cold water? Well, there, I think there are a couple of things about putting your face in which are worth worth bringing out here. The first mm. is your face has so many nerve endings in it. Your face and your hands, they are the ones. They have so many nerve endings. You, know, you really have to use those. It's your interface with the world. So 
evolution has left us with a lot of nerve endings in there. We want to protect our face. We want to protect our head, our brains, things like this. So, you know, we're really sensitive to our faces. And the other thing is that, so you put your body into cold water and it gives you a sympathetic stress response. But when you put your face into water, it actually stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. And so, you know, your rest, digest, uh, chill out, and anti-inflammatory response comes from putting your face into the nervous, in, into the water. So I think that's part of the reason why you have a kind of different effect from putting your face in. And that's it. And if you actually go swimming in a hole, if you just put your face in and you've got a high vagal tone, I mean, you're super high on vagal tone. You know, it's, uh, it's over the top. But the thing is, if you get into water, that gives, sets off the sympathetic response. And so, you know, if you put your face into water afterwards, it more balances it out. And you know, the thing that the benefit from putting your body into water is more about the adaptation to cold, the adaptation to stress. Whereas, and that reduces wow. your your inf- inflammation and your your uh, yeah inflammatory levels. Whereas putting your face into cold water that actually has a direct effect on reducing it. So you have a long term effect from body in cold water. You have an immediate effect from face in cold water. I did not know that the face activated a different part of the nervous system. That's really important. Um, do you? Uh, do you measure heart rate variability ever when you're doing cold swimming or not doing cold swimming? Uh, not yet, but it's on our list and it's a study we're doing at the moment <laughs> because I think that's a really interesting way of you know, starting to dig down into the mechanisms. I think that's a really interesting way to approach it. So I, I'll have to tell you the results in a year or two's time, but that's, you know, I think it's a really interesting uh, it, it's intriguing uh, because we do cryo at um, at Upgrade Labs uh, at some of our locations. Um, by the way, guys, own in UpgradeLabs.com if you're interested in being a franchisee. Um, but um, cryo is optional for that. We do see in general members HRV goes up, and we're doing all the the data analysis from huge amounts of data to tease out if someone does three of our interventions which ones uh, are the ones contributing to an increase or decrease in HRV. And we're getting HRV from whatever wearables they have. So it, it's almost like you, instead of doing a proper study, you could just tell everyone, hey, do you have a Whoop or an Aura or a Fitbit or whatever? Um, you know, give us your data. Give us your data when you go cold swimming and see what happens. Uh, it could yeah, be, I mean, it could be really interesting. interesting. I'd love to I'd love to see that, see that data. Part, I, I've been... In contact, the guy who's driving this bit of research is is an expert in heart rate variability. Okay, so you're, but, you're going to be looking at it. He sure. he says that with these, he says, but he, yeah, he's yeah, a heart rate variability nerd. So uh, he says that the the whoop and the things like that don't give you accurate enough information. You know, their response rate isn't quite quick enough. But it would be fascinating to see. I, I, I'm not convinced by this. Yeah, I think you probably could see broad changes. So I'd be fascinated to see if you do notice differences with your methods. 
Um, one of our Upgrade Collective members here, Ski, did track his HRV with a polar strap and says before, during, and after a cold plunge, which isn't swimming, but it's at least a plunge, his HRV goes up. But if he does a sauna, uh, it goes down. What, what about saunas? I mean, should should we be doing what the Norwegians, given that you're in Norway, uh, do they, you know, hop in the sauna, then go roll in the snow or dip in the frozen lake and then go back in the sauna. Do you play around with that? Do you have whole communities of people, uh, you know, uh, only for course? pleasure, not for science, I, I would okay. say. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so there are, there are a couple of things. One thing is quite interesting is, so I went to this conference on thermoregulation and all the scientific com- uh, conference and what i was fascinated about you know coming from the cold side of things is that a lot of what you see from our end is mimicked from the hot side of things so it's thermal stress and thermal stress can be cold thermal stress and thermal stress can be hot thermal stress so it does seem that you can have the same effect from a sauna but what they were doing what they had to do is actually raise your internal temperature uh quite mm-hmm. high you know so you're actually becoming hyperthermic and the so i think that's whereas we get into the cold i think one of the important things is you don't become hypothermic you stay in long enough you know exposing yourself to the cold is stressful and that's good and this is this is how we're hacking our stress system is by getting used to that stress whereas actually becoming hypothermic is always bad for you and you know, this is why i come from my uh, PhD is all about stopping people getting cold during surgery because when you actually become hypothermic, you lose your thermoregulation. You become hypothermic, mm-hmm. you have more complications. But the other aspect of saunas is, of course, getting in and out. Is it safe to get in and out? And yes, it is. And it's just a fantastic way. Well, I've got a friend, you know, a friend who lives a few miles away. She has a lake at the bottom of a garden. She has a sauna last year lake totally frozen over dad comes out with the the chainsaw cuts a hole in the lake and there we are warm up first and then go in the thing is and then go into the water and it's it's so much better than if you it feels so much better than if you go in cold and the 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 reason for this is you know your your core is really protected you know you vasoconstrict you you shut down all the the stuff to the skin or the blood supply to the skin when you get in cold water your body naturally does it and then your fascia your fat all your muscles they act as a kind of storage heater and if that storage heater is cold you've got no spare you can't stay in that water very long you're going to become hypothermic very quickly but if that storage heater is heated right through you've been in a sauna then you've got more time in it and it actually does feel better. I find, I find it feels so much better if I go into the water warm. It seems a lot easier to do a cold swim if you just got out of a sauna, that's for sure. Um, just like if you're you know, living somewhere where the indoor heating is always set to some ridiculous temperature all winter long, like you go outside without a jacket on, you kind of like, ah, oh, but it's because you're already too hot. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? Okay. Sweden has the highest temperature, internal temperatures in the world. They, they keep their houses, their, their thermostats are set the highest in the world. No kidding. I wonder why yeah. they do that. Um, it's also the highest amount of coffee consumption per capita. It's, a, it's an odd and cool country. 
Um, but that those words do not apply to Saab automobiles. Those were definitely not cool to have to say. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you talk a lot in your book about uh, community. Um, and I know in certain parts of the world, like Norway, um, all of Scandinavia, uh, parts of Russia, you know, the, the sauna is, is a, a thing you do and it's, you know, a community thing. It's co-ed, it's naked and all. Um, talk to me about you're riding your bike to work. What do you just strip naked? Are you wearing a speedo underneath this? Like, how do you handle the dressing, undressing community? Is this usually a bunch of dudes? Is this co-ed? Like walk me through the cultural dynamics of cold water swimming and how it works in real life. Cause I'm, I'm confused. Well, I, th- I think there are a lot of different cultural dynamics is what it comes down to. So I cycle to work. I work in Norway. I cycle there. Uh, I I swim on my own, basically. But whereas when I'm in the UK, we've got, uh, we've got the swimming club and it's got a little, uh, it's an arch. So it's got a kind of shed <laughs> under, the, under the road, as it were, uh, where we go and Lots of people, yeah, you know, got a hundred members. I mean, yeah, usually, usually 20, 30 people there every morning from seven o'clock or actually from six 30 in the morning, there are 20, 30 people. We've got somewhere warm and out of the wind to change. And that makes a massive difference during lockdown. We weren't allowed to use the changing rooms. It was like super cold. And then you, yeah. So you go into the sea, there's always someone to swim with. You go into the sea, you splash around. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of, waves certainly in the winter you know there's a yeah some days it's swimming days and other days it's waves days you just play around like kids in the waves and then you go back in you have a have a shower get dressed you know go on and have coffee together um and afterwards um do you take a warm shower or do you just drink the coffee to get warm so the best way to get warm either before or after cold exposure is from the inside out so getting cold from the outside uh, you know warming up from the outside in yeah just doesn't quite work if you do that before a swim you actually cool down quicker whereas and by this i mean using exercise so that's the best way to do it and if you go into the shower i mean it's not about having a hot shower i wouldn't recommend a hot shower but a lukewarm shower that's what i really like and particularly yeah, if it's been super cold, my hands, I can hardly move my hands, just keeping your hands warm, getting a bit of that, but lukewarm and I don't stand for very long and then I carry on cycling and occasionally I have to drive down, drive for my swim and it's just not as good. You know, I really noticed the difference. I haven't used that exercise. I haven't got my body moving before I've got into the water. Okay, that um, that makes sense. I asked Wim Hof the same thing, I think last time he was on the show. And he said, like, it's okay to finish warm, but it's better to finish cold. And, and most people say finishing cold uh, is, is the right way to do it. Um, and of course, you want to rinse salt water off your skin and things like that. Uh, and it seems like you could even burst some capillaries if you take a really hot shower after getting out of really cold water, right? Because the, the blood vessels are going to be asked to do unnatural things if you're taking a really hot shower. It wouldn't even feel good, right? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think this is the problem. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation out there that uh, you go under a hot shower you faint because you suddenly vasodilate you actually vasodilate very slowly but the problem is because you vasodilate very slowly after after that swim after that kind of cold exposure 
the blood isn't moving that heat away from you. So a, a, temp- a temperature of a shower that would normally be fine for you, actually you can damage the skin. You can actually cause a scald, a scald by uh, by having that kind of hot water. So it's the, you know, I work on the principle, it's the lowest temperature that feels comfortable. Now, I hate a cold shower. I, I'm perfectly happy getting into cold water. <laughs> I hate a cold shower. Interesting. Um, I noticed too, well, I guess if you're in the ocean, you have enough currents, but if you're doing a, an ice bath, which a lot of people do, the water's not moving around. So you sit there and you actually build a little buffer of warm water that you heat it up around you. But if you have like a chilled, cold tub with circulating water, the way I do, it's constantly moving across your body. It actually cools you much more quickly than just sitting in a static ice bath. So I believe with almost every biohack uh, that's out there, whether we're talking you know, light therapy, electrical stimulation, cold water, we're going to figure out the rate, duration, and timing of application that causes specific physiological changes. So there's probably some special treatment where you, you know, hot, cold, hot, cold three times, and then you do the hokey pokey and you become enlightened. I have no idea, right? But, but there, there's nuances, I would say, that none of us knows yet that we'll tease out. But what I wanted to ask you about was about some of the specific things you mentioned in the book about, oh, say chronic pain. A lot of people have chronic pain. I had it for much of my life. I just thought you were supposed to hurt all the time, uh, especially my upper back uh, and my joints. It, it was, I was diagnosed with arthritis when I was 14 and I don't have chronic pain anymore. I also do cold therapy and many other things. What have you seen with chronic pain and cold exposure? Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Every organ in your body depends on getting enough healthy blood flow. That's why Arterosil HP has been in my longevity supplement stack for years. It's an easy way to support my blood vessel lining, circulation, and artery function all at once. And I know for me, that's an area where I have more risk than average. So this is a very important supplement. And I love it because it's one of those very few natural products that has great biochemistry and tons of clinical data backing it up. I like to pair it with Vasconox HP, which supports nitric oxide for really good vascular health. I can feel a difference. To get your discount, go to calroy.com slash Dave. That's C-A-L-R-O-Y.com. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. What have you seen with chronic pain and cold exposure? Well, I think it's really interesting. So there are a couple of uh, really good examples uh, from the book. Yes, there's David, who I saw with, he's in his 70s, and he's had crippling arthritis, I mean, literally crippling arthritis. And, yeah, he gets himself out of the bed in the morning, he comes down, he has to walk uh, maybe a mile down to the beach, gets in the water on his crutches and you know, gets into the water and he says, 
that means that he doesn't need to take his opioids until midday. And this is a guy who really doesn't want to take opioids. And wow. he's tried going cold turkey and he just can't do it. He's, a, he's an amazing guy. But I think also particularly interesting was one of the guys we had down uh, joined our courses. Where we, so we ran these courses as part of a clinical trial and we run them you know, generally as just a, as therapy now. But as part of a clinical trial, we ran these courses for depression and anxiety. So we got people who are clinically diagnosed with one or other or both of them and got them to yeah do a eight week course of sea swimming it's about 30 minutes totally probably 15 and 30 to 30 minutes in the water not especially cold somewhere between i don't know probably 50 and 68 degrees centigrade uh fahrenheit and you know and it was all about depression anxiety and Grant, you know, has, has suffered from chronic pain. You know, he's a really was a really fit guy, semi-professional cyclist, surfer, but kept on having you know, blowing discs and uh, in his back, and has so much pain. And he came along because he was depressed. He said, "Look, I feel really. It's a really lonely place." Was one of his things about it. Yeah, and he was about to get referred on to the chronic pain clinic and he was hating this and you know and thinking about antidepressants and uh, all that kind of stuff and he came along he saw saw a thing on the bbc said right i'm gonna try that and he went along for his depression but he noticed coincidentally that his pain got better and he has not needed that referral to the chronic pain clinic as a consequence yeah he calls he, he's got this pool so he swims in the sea but he's also okay. found this pool up in the things he says the chill pool that's my tramadol the, there's some amount of toughness uh, that's that's important and for especially for men but for some women as well the, the sort of the walk it off mindset like you know it's it's you know it's just a flesh wound to go back to monty python and well that kind of works, but that's not what you're talking about here. It, it's that teaching the body it's not going to die from being cold for a little while because it feels like you're going to die at first. And somehow it feels like when you show the body, just chill a little bit. Like you don't have to be stressed over this, that it may have a more systemic effect. I know that it helps with sleep to do stuff like that, but there's, there's something else going on. Is it neurological or is it psychological? What would you say? I, I think it's a whole it's a whole package. I mean, I I think yeah, you, I think I've heard you talk before about the poly pill and the poly exercise and stuff like this, and that's what you're getting with it. So it is. So on one point, you've got a definitely a psychological thing going on. You know, you build resilience by just getting into that water. I mean, Sarah, who's you know, the first patient we took in ever to cold water to test our theory. She afterwards, after her first proper swim, she said, God, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. She was so proud of it. You know, she felt so good from it. But the other thing is it also has a physiological effect because getting into cold water regularly means that your body kind of downgrades its stress response, it downgrades its stress level. So stress is good. Inflammation is good. You know, inflammation is our first line of defense against bacterial attack but 
what we what we want to do is keep that in the physiological zone, the zone that's good for us. And the trouble is so many of us are running at a level where it's too high. Our baseline's too high and we go into the go into those peaks which are too high in that really pathological zone. And what you get from cold water swimming, regular cold water swimming, is that baseline goes down and those peaks go down. And you know, this is what we see with your response, your breathing response, with your heart rate response, with your blood pressure response. What about migraines? I was really intrigued in your book. Uh, you're talking about uh, a specific person. You don't have tons of trials, but someone with chronic migraines. Talk to me briefly just to find what chronic migraines are versus occasional ones from eating MSG um, and what what the treatment was and what the results were. So uh, that's a, this is a, a girl called Beth, and she was having 28 migraines a month. So, you know, pretty much every day she was getting a migraine. And a migraine is a whole body experience. You know, yeah. it, it just totally flattened. You know, she was doing a PhD. She had to give up her PhD because she just couldn't get out of the house for long enough. And, you know, you have... Yeah, yeah, you have auras, you have funny feel, yeah, your head goes weird, you have pain, nausea, yeah, yeah. yeah, nausea. I mean, it's just, it's just dreadful. I mean, the WHO says that a day with migraines is like a day being paraplegic. It's that bad. Mm-hmm. So she, again, you know, this is what I find really interesting. We don't have the trials, but what we have is people who have started doing it for, started doing cold water swimming for another thick reason. So she said, she read something about nature therapy and said, oh, okay, look, I've got to do something. I can't work. I can't do my PhD. I want to go out and be in nature. Yeah, let's do that. And, oh, how can we be in nature? Well, let's go down and swim in the sea every day. So she made this wonderful film called 100 Days of Vitamin C, which is C-S-E-A. And uh, she documented what happened but she didn't go down to cure her migraine but she found that her attacks became less and that they were shorter and it meant that she was able to finish her phd so you know it had that effect hasn't cured them she still gets them but it's calmed them down and i think with as with a lot of these things it's the it's the the effect on inflammation although interestingly with migraines, there's something about them being generated from the trigeminal nerve. And the trigeminal nerve is what takes signals, takes those pain signals or takes sensory mm-hmm. signals from the face. And it's what links with the vagus nerve, which what's linked with the parasympathetic nervous system and reduces those levels of inflammation. So unproven, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit more than the coincidence. So walk me through what you've seen from cold water swimming and fibromyalgia. Well, that's, uh, again, that's another of these cases where it was someone who came, came on our courses, one of the chill courses, Martin, and he came on our chill courses for anxiety, but he had fibromyalgia. And he came in and, again, he, he said it worked for his anxiety, and then he noticed that his symptoms of fibromyalgia were reducing and i thought this is and he, he's come out with this fantastic comment which i, I keep coming back to which yeah you know, he came out and he sees he feels alert alive with a sense of euphoria and achievement now if you've taken a pill you do not get that if you've been in the water you do get that and whether you know, taking apart the effect you know the actual effect on the condition i think 
that says a lot, you know, it's just the whole difference about it. And interesting, I've just, just today been reading a, a, an article, a new scientist about fascia. And we don't know much about fascia. We've always thought the fascia, the, the connective tissues in our bodies, you know, it's just a, it's just a sack of nothing. Yeah, it's more but, than that for sure. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's such a complex thing. And I think with a lot of things, so there's one is this level of inflammation. How do you decrease inflammation in these these difficult to get to organs. I mean, it's there all over the body, but it's, I think it's difficult to access because it doesn't have a massive blood supply. It's kind of a cleaning up thing, doesn't it? You know, the, the heart, the lungs, they take the blood supply. And I think, so there's the inflammation side of that and also stretching and getting out. I don't know, there's, there's something in that fascia that I think we're missing. And I'm, there's a good evidence that, that's kind of what we're looking at with fibromyalgia. I mean, it's in the name fibromyalgia, yeah, fibers and muscles. It, it, there's definitely an overactive uh, immune system and the immune system includes the fascia. But like you said, you can't get a lot of chemical signaling into the fascial planes. So that's more touch, uh, it's more temperature, it's more light, uh, possibly sound. Uh, and there's all sorts of weird adhesions and things that happen. So I've done a lot of work on fascia. And there are these uh, domains where people really know what they're talking about, even like somatic uh, therapy. And the problem is, if you look at the Venn diagram overlap of medical schools and those, there is no overlap between those. Um, and there really ought to be. Like an open-minded perspective on that would say, well, there's a tribe of healers over there. They're doing some weird stuff. We need to figure it out. And what I've come to understand is that if you can increase mitochondrial function systemically, generally things like that get better, but oftentimes that means removing root causes that were causing the electrical issue, which caused an overenthusiastic immune system. So it's, it, it's a messy problem. But if you're finding that when people do cold water swimming, that they're getting improvements in fibromyalgia, that's a relatively affordable thing to do. So if you know, that cold water exposure could work for you, heck, it's worth a try as long as you're not so fibromyalgic that you wouldn't be able to get out of the water because that could be bad. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's the thing. It's it's something, I think what's great about cold water therapy is it's something that your body has control over. Yes, you get boosts in all these chemicals in the body, but when you're not bringing it in from outside your body, every, every single system, you've got the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, you have, uh, you have something pulling, you have something pulling in both directions, a dynamic equilibrium in every single system in the body. And there your body has control of it. So it's just pulling back. It's, you've got control over it, even though you might be, uh, be boosted up. And, you know, by strengthening the pulling back of the parasympathetic nervous system, you, bring the sympathetic nervous system back into where it should be and i think this is why it's so good and you're unlikely to do yourself damage as long as you're sensible about it and let's face it, you don't need to be in for very long just yeah i say three minutes and put your face in three times that's that's all you need to do to get a really significant effect um who should not do cold water therapy like there's got to be contraindications uh, there's got to be, but they're actually relatively few, I would say. You know, there's a, a very uncommon but actually really serious condition called cold urticaria, and that is where you have a, this kind of 
awful allergic reaction, I suppose, or anaphylactic reaction to cold water uh, or to cold generally. And that, that people with that shouldn't do it. But then, you know, a lot of people worry about the heart and actually getting to cold water. If you can walk down to the beach or get in or whatever, and particularly if you can get out of the cold water that you're going into, do you know what? your heart is probably good enough to to take it. What kills people with cold water isn't actually the heart. It's not the the cold suddenly causing your heart to uh, beat harder and giving you a heart attack. It's more likely to be the fact that when you first start swimming in cold water, you can't control your breathing. You start hyperventilating. And this is part of the problem in the way that you know, treat for anxiety and depression is it feels like a panic attack, but you can't. And so what happens is people go in, they go straight in, they take a lung full of water before they started. And that's that's the, the thing that stops people from going in, uh, that, that kills people. Uh, the other thing is you've got to be a bit careful the first time you start doing it because you, know, you get your body in first and then your face because otherwise, again, very unusual, but you know that sympathetic response can fight the parasympathetic response. You get this thing called autonomic conflict and that can send off your, send your heart into funny electrical rhythms, which isn't, isn't good for you. But on the whole, if you can get in, you can get out safely it's pretty safe. Um, so, so overall, the risks are low medically. The risks are low from a predator perspective. And if you swim in a place with weird worm and amoeba parasites, well, then you should probably know better. Um, other than that, I think uh, I, I think it's a low risk. And especially the sticking your face in a bowl of cold water, um, that's remarkably effective. And it's such an easy way to start. And if your goal is to go you know, cold water swimming with your friends in the ocean uh, or a cold river, uh, you might consider doing that for three days first, right? Just so that you won't be quite as shocked when you get in. Yeah, is that a absolutely. Good way yeah, to go? it's a great idea. You know, do that. Okay. Do the cold shower. Get accustomed to it. I mean, this is an important part of it: is getting accustomed to it, getting used to it before you do it. And you know, it's also important to point out you get the benefits at pretty high temperatures. I think anything below twenty degrees, you're going to feel a significant benefit in terms of your body adapting to it, the maximum you know, or the minimum temperature you have to go into is like 10, 10 to 15 degrees centigrade. So that's what's that, 50 odd, 55 degrees, something like that. It's not that cold. You know, it doesn't have to be ice water. Yeah, just just go into cold water pretty much, yeah. That's actually worth talking about uh, for a little while. When I, you, you always go through these phases of saying, you know, more cold is good. And so then you want your water to be at you know, 33 degrees Fahrenheit or, you know, 0.1 centigrade, right? But that is relatively hard to do. It, it's really intense. Is that any better than something that's 60 degrees? Uh, or I don't know what that is in, in yeah, no, centigrade. I, I'm sort of bilingual. It's all right. Um, it's uh, no, absolutely not. In fact, it's possibly worse. I mean, I, I do find the colder the water is, the, the longer and the more intense the buzz I get out of it. But I'm in for virtually no time at all. You know, it's a couple of minutes, three minutes max. And I don't think, again, you've got to look at the proportion of the fat. You don't get any more benefit in terms of adaptation and things like this. It probably just feels a bit better maybe when you get out. I think in terms of your health, 
there is nothing to be gained and actually probably worse because it's yeah that temperature is actually beginning to be painful and that's that's not much fun yeah i wear gloves and shoes in the winter i'm not i'm not hardcore at all got it and uh, and so and i mean the, the only thing is i think you know, if you're in long enough that you get control over your breath, yeah. So even when you're a seasoned swimmer or a seasoned cold person, you go in and you still, you know, still, you know, you get that initial shock and it's a minute, maybe, maybe a bit longer and you're past it and you think, ah, oh, that's all right now. And it's the same when you put your face in, it's a few seconds. If you put it, take it straight out, it just hurts. But if you put it in, you keep it in five, 10 seconds and you're past that initial shock. I think that that's all you need to do. Mark, your book is called Chill, The Cold Water Swim Cure. And it's totally, it's totally interesting to see the perspective of a medical doctor um, who's been doing this for 20 years and see what a difference it can make for all these different conditions. And so my call to action for you would be read Chill, The Cold Water Swim Cure. And even if you decide you're not anywhere near somewhere where you're going to go for cold water swim, like you live in the desert, um, you probably want to incorporate more cold therapy via any mechanism you can get, whether it's cold face, cold shower, cold plunge, uh, cryotherapy. Just doing that a few times a week, I think, has long-term physiological benefits that are worth it. Uh, and it's okay to be a little bit lazy. It's also okay to make it part of your community time where you get to hang out with other people who care enough about how they feel to go do it. And I think that's the big point of the book is that you're getting the the sense of community and the connection to nature and the physiological benefits all at once, which means it's highly effective uh, from a you know, time spent uh, activity for you. Mark, thanks for being on the show. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.